This is a Suno India production and you're listening to Rare Live. This podcast is made possible by a grant from the Thakur Family Foundation. Thakur Family Foundation has not exercised any editorial control over the contents of this podcast. In India, 50% of new rare disease cases are in children. Imagine this, the feeling that you are losing control over your body. But as a child, you cannot communicate what you are experiencing well to your parents and are unable to express what is going wrong. They see your discomfort and decide to consult a doctor. Hospital visits, tests, therapy and treatment become routine activities in your life. The previous 3 episodes of Rare Lives have dealt with the immense difficulties that rare individuals face in securing proper medical attention, diagnosis and treatment of their rare illnesses. But there's another complication. Since rare illnesses are chronic, these often leave a person with one or the other physical disability. Hi, I'm Avantika Shivastav, the host of Rare Lives. Rare Lives is the second season of the 1 in 20,000 podcast series which shines a light on the experiences of people with rare diseases and their families. Diagnosed at any age, rare diseases make people vulnerable and not just because of failing health. Whether it be in homes or in the government system physical disabilities or how a person's body is different from others is more visible and that too more visible than the rare illnesses which causes the disability in the first place this many times lead to awkward conversations over the unfortunate events that have led the person as people say to become this way but a more alarming truth is that not many people in india know about rare diseases and that is why even as physical disabilities are seen as undesirable they are more understood than rare illnesses causing the disability this has many consequences which i will explore in this episode what will it take to protect rare individuals be it children or adults who also might have a disability The disability rights movement puts a lot of these questions in perspective especially for those with rare diseases. I spoke to two people who helped explain the interface of the state with the disability rights movement. The first of them is Smita Sadasivan who has been a disability rights activist for the last 15 years. Smita has multiple cirrhosis which impacts the central nervous system the brain and spinal cord leading to severe challenges hello everyone my name is nita sadashivan i am a person with multiple sclerosis and also a disability rights activist based in chennai i am a member of disability rights alliance tamil nadu a multiple sclerosis society of india chennai and uh, a member of vidyasagar 
an organization working for persons with disabilities their rights and rightful services for the past 36 years i am also associated with uh, different uh, organizations on the advocacy aspect and uh, i am also the accessibility consultant for election commission of india with regard to my disability as such you know multiple sclerosis is a, a neurological condition it's a chronic condition and an autoimmune disorder that affects the nervous system and leading to relapses any time uh, so it's a chronic condition we don't know when we get a relapse and uh, the treatments may vary the issues that we face in a relapse may vary it may affect the limbs it may affect uh, any other organ of the body or the sensory aspects can be vision can be speech can be hearing it can also affect cognition it can affect balance of a person so different aspects get affected at different periods of time depending on which part of the brain or spinal cord is affected the most during that relapse and we have to carry on with the medication at that particular point of time she explained the core of disability rights the person comes first not the disability you know according to me and uh, many disability rights activists these flowery language like differently abled or specially abled or positively abled um, these are not required actually these don't define persons with disabilities if you look at a legal terminology it is persons with disabilities and it is been acknowledged by the convention on the rights of persons with disabilities also um, the reason for acknowledging it at the international pl- platform is because it says persons with disabilities where persons come first so it's always person first and then the disability and when you mention disability it does not point out to a person's inability whereas the disability points out to the barriers in the society which don't allow the person to function to his or her optimal level so that is what disability uh, you know points out over the last couple of years the government has pushed for the use of divyangjan which loosely translates to divine body as the official terminology to address persons with disabilities this has been done to shift the larger society's attitudes and perceptions of their abilities and increase the acceptance of disability we don't want to be considered as divine beings we want to equality we want to be considered as equal human beings and equal citizens when you call somebody as divyang and you are just elevating them as uh, you know being able to do something or being able to overcome all the obstacles you are stepping back from your responsibility as a state to enable a barrier free environment so 
the first duty is to bring in accessibility and inclusion for persons with disabilities as a state which you are not committing whereas you are just elevating somebody as being able to overcome all the obstacles this is not right this is not a human rights approach right uh, you know the different government departments are not sensitized on the rights of persons with disabilities and uh, uh, what they have to do under their programs for persons with disabilities and they are not coming up with uh, programs to of inclusion whereas they are just uh, sending us to the disability department uh, so this is a major uh, lack of sensitization in the government machinery and there is one more attitude prevailing in the government or even in the public saying that why persons with disabilities want everything for example when we spoke about the need to make a beach accessible um, you know the government officials first initial response was why do you ask for a beach to be made accessible you have you need accessibility in a public building because you want to access the uh, public uh, benefits or uh, you know public uh, programs that is okay but why do you want a beach to be made accessible and similarly when we spoke about the voting rights of persons with disabilities even uh, a few disability commissioners or the uh, few chief electoral officers themselves said like disabled people have a lot of basic issues why are you talking about voting rights for a person with disability so this is the attitude that is set in in the government machinery with different departments which need to be broken um right now the rights of persons with disabilities act uh, is talking about various uh, entitlements including voting rights and access to justice or you know right to legal capacity um and uh, right to property and many different things whereas it all needs to be implemented until implementation happens it is again it will just remain in a in the document it uh, the act is just a piece of paper the rights of persons with disabilities act 2016 defines various disabilities and the rights it offers This includes reservation of seats in educational institutions and government jobs. It also mandates physical accessibility in public institutions such as the building of ramps. It identifies 21 types of disabilities such as visual impairment, mental illness, disability caused by neurological conditions such as multiple sclerosis and others. Importantly, eight rare diseases including muscular dystrophy which we have covered earlier and thalassemia a blood disorder which we will talk about later on in the series are covered however these are the only diseases included out of about 450 odd rare illnesses reported in the country the law allows for reservation in government jobs and educational institutions on the basis of disability not a rare illness As Mitha pointed out, this is not easy to get because of a difficult government system. Ankit, the father of two children with spinal muscular atrophy, who we covered in earlier episodes, speaks about his ordeal in getting a disability certificate issued by the government for his children. It requires a medical assessment and to prove to the government that they are forty percent disabled. 
बट आज तो मैडम अगर जो है कहीं अगर किसी ऑफिस में जाओ बच्चे का विकलांग सर्टिफिकेट बनाने के लिए तो कोई जो है इतनी आसानी से देता नहीं है मिलता नहीं है हर जगह वही है कि यहाँ आ जाइए कल आइए ये कागज लाइए मैडम अगर मान लीजिए अगर हम अगर तीस दिन की छुट्टी जाते हैं तो बाकी बीस दिन पच्चीस दिन तो हमारा इसी में जो है निकल जाता है और काम होता नहीं है वो सर्टिफिकेट होने से मैडम क्या है कि बच्चों को काफ़ी हेल्प मिलता है हर जगह छूट मिलती है तो बच्चे अगर इस टाइप के बच्चे हैं तो जो है आगे बढ़ने की कोशिश करेंगे The invisibility of people with rare diseases in the government agenda is fundamental. As per Census 2011, persons with disability constituted 2.68 crore, over 2% of the total Indian population. Persons with disability, some of whom perhaps might have had rare conditions, are at least counted in the population. But if one were to ask as to how many people live with rare diseases, we only have estimates of 70 to 90 million rare individuals to go by with so little information how does one begin to ensure that the medical economic and social rights and resources are ensured for these people since rare illnesses are typically lifelong and mostly incurable the physical deterioration of a rare individual's body or physical symptoms due to weaknesses will most likely take place given their medical complexity the needs of a rare individual are not the same as that of a person with disability who does not have a rare disease During the COVID-19 lockdown in April, the government of India announced the Pradhan Mantri Garib Kalyan Yojana economic package to financially give a boost to the most vulnerable in our society, including persons with disabilities, among other attempts. An amount of rupees thousand was to be deposited in the accounts of those who had a valid disability certificate issued by the government. But Smita says this will not be enough. You know, we lack budgeting. We get very meager budget for uh, disability uh, departments' expenses, uh, the schemes and programs for persons with disabilities. And uh, there are some namesake announcements or namesake schemes. Even for example, the recently announced uh, scheme by the finance minister uh, during the COVID assistance, which was. Thousand rupees for a person with disability was not clear. You know, uh, it did not. She did not say under which scheme it will be provided and who are all the beneficiaries. We found out that it was not catering to all persons with disabilities in the country, whereas it was catering only to some people with disabilities who got enrolled under this a specific national. program for persons with disabilities and also uh, were considered as people from below poverty line families so during covid situation everybody or most people lost their livelihood and everybody became poor and whereas the poor who were already enrolled as uh, bpl families they were only uh, interested with this uh, uh, to be part of the scheme whereas uh, uh, all the other people were left out but fismuta 
They struggle to put together basic resources during the pandemic for persons with disabilities was evidence of where the government system lacked. So the COVID-19 was literally a disaster and uh, more than COVID-19, the lockdown and, uh, you know, the government's approach uh, on dealing with vulnerable groups was uh, uh, really pathetic and many people suffered. Uh, I won't say that government did not do anything. The Department of Empowerment of Persons with Disabilities came up with a guidelines on uh, how people with disabilities, uh, you know, employees with disabilities to be treated or uh, um, you know, the helplines to be uh, set up in different states and all that. And uh, whereas the guidelines uh, was not informed to the public, you know, information about the guidelines did not reach the public, number one. And number two, the implementation in the guidelines uh, was did not reach people with disabilities. Um, and third is the government missionary didn't have a knowledge on how to implement these, uh, you know, different aspects. The guidelines this Smitha speaks about relate to the prevention and treatment of COVID-19. Persons with disabilities as well as rare illnesses are more prone to the virus. How to communicate and reach out to them became a real challenge. So how to reach out to people with disabilities in the ground uh, was uh, um, actually an issue for the government. And yes, of course, the civil societies could reach to a lot of people and uh, and we also served as a bridge between people with disabilities in the ground and the government department because uh, many people was not were not able to connect with the helpline and so we had to uh, provide a list uh, uh, about the people who were not reaching to the helpline and uh, uh, facilitated their assistance and uh, uh, with regard to rations or uh, in, uh, with regard to medicines, again, there was uh, a lot of issue in the uh, in India, like um, uh, specific medications are not available in stock. And uh, many children with disabilities suffered without that medication or even people with psychosocial disabilities um, could not avail their required medication. In episode one of Rare Lives, I spoke with Dr. Dipan Janadatta, a genetic counselor based in Kolkata. In our conversation, she spoke of an instance that echoes with what Smitha says. The lockdown was imposed to curb the spread of the coronavirus, but it also led to severe disruptions in medication reaching patients who had little or no time to stock up their prescribed medicines or prepare. The basic act of seeking permissions from their local authorities so that their caregivers could travel to their homes became overbearing. The elderly person she mentions has a rare genetic condition that leads to loss of vision. There was an old man who had several comorbidities with diabetes, etc. Also had uh, something which is known as uh, RP, the retinitis pigmentosa. He's completely blind. And uh, his maids couldn't come. Uh, his maids were stuck in the lockdown and he was absolutely alone. And all his neighbors sort of, you know, helped him out. But then um, they also applied to the local thana. There, uh, the police again helped to bring those uh, people back because the maid was ready to come. Um, she said that she was ready to come, but she didn't have the means to come. 
so that was also arranged that way so uh, maybe uh, you know it looks like the troubles are very small and very insignificant but the troubles were very real in order to understand some steps that were being taken to protect rare children as well as those with disabilities i spoke with ananya chakraborty the chairperson of the west bengal commission for protection of child rights during the peak of the country wide lockdown in july she mentioned severe disruption in their day to day functioning with the routine activities now having to be made virtual but in a country like ours even access to phones and the internet can be a privilege which begs the question can rare children really be protected well during the lockdown we been functioning virtually so what we have done is you know the children who are on the other side of the digital divide we had spread the news this news of what of all our activities through our district child protection officers or through cwcs or through ngos who have been frequenting offices who have been frequenting shelter homes or slums and asked them to collect uh, things from there you know photographs or poems or if somebody wanted to write something etc and for children with uh, you know for these kind of diseases we uh, in fact interviewed some of them for our mothers day program where uh, because for them the mother is the world and for the mother uh, she not only loves her that child with the rare disease dearly but the mother always worries that what will happen to the child once uh, she is not she is gone the pandemic has shown exactly where the loopholes in india's public system lie As a disability rights advocate who has studied international protocols, Smita offers some suggestions. So, what I would suggest as a, um, as a definite measure for the government is that the government should consult CSO, civil society organizations, whether it is BPOs, NGOs, or uh, associations, or people with disabilities themselves, or any other marginalized groups, and. it has to work in collaboration only then we can actually you know tackle any situation and the community support system should be strengthened the community support system can be strengthened only when the government works in collaboration with the uh, with the people's groups with the citizens groups on the ground level um uh, otherwise you know the local authorities were not able to perform though they had the will to perform they didn't know whom to reach and where to reach and how to support so all these things need to be worked collaboratively lot of sensitization should go into the government machinery and lot of collaboration with the civil societies and and the people on the ground should be done so that we can build stronger communities with stronger community support networks This podcast is made possible by a grant from the Thakur Family Foundation. Thakur Family Foundation has not exercised any editorial control over the contents of this podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rare Lives. You can hear 1 in 20,000, which is the first season and covers many more interesting stories and discussions into the lives of rare disease patients 
You can listen to this podcast on www.sunoindia.in or any other podcast app of your choice. Thank you.